Greetings, this is Douglas Gimple, Senior Portfolio Specialist at Diamond Hill Capital Management, and this is Understanding Edge. I'm joined today on the podcast by Heather Brilliant, Chief Executive Officer and President of Diamond Hill. Heather joined Diamond Hill in late 2019 with just enough time to get her feet settled under her before the pandemic hit. She has previously worked as the CEO for the Americas for First State Investments, the CEO for Morningstar Austral Asia, and as the Global Head of Equity and Credit Research at Morningstar. Heather is deeply involved in the CFA Institute, having served as chair of the board from 2018 to 2019. She's been a guest on the podcast previously, and today she is here to discuss the progress of Diamond Hill's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, or DEI, initiative, covering topics as wide-ranging as recruitment practices, vendor relationships, and the role diversity can play in delivering excellent long-term investment outcomes for our clients. Some of us are working from home, and some of us are in the office. It just depends on what day of the week it is. As such, I ask for your understanding for any sound issues that may arise. As always, stay safe and stay healthy. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with Heather Brilliant. Heather, thanks for coming back to the podcast for another episode. It's always good to hear from the leader of the firm on such an important topic. Thanks for having me, Doug. You joined Diamond Hill in September of 2019 and had just enough time to get settled in before the world changed forever not only due to the pandemic, but also due to the rising awareness of diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI. Over the past couple of years, we've seen cultural and social awareness expand at an exponential rate as movements such as Me Too, Black Lives Matter, and Stop Asian American Pacific Islander Hate, or AAPIH, become a driving force in the effort to enact change both in society and in the workplace. What I wasn't aware of was that DEI has been around since the mid-60s, despite its rise to prominence over the past several years. Prior to the most recent time period, what was your experience like with DEI? So interestingly, early in my career, I really didn't think a lot about the Um, what is now, I think, rather obvious lack of diversity in our industry. And at the time, as a woman in an industry that was very male, and um, I, I, you know, I just hadn't given it a lot of thought. I thought if any, if I can succeed in this industry, anyone else can too. And it was probably about 10 years ago that I kind of looked around and said, if that were true, where is everyone? Why, why isn't our industry more diverse? And so I really started digging into the topic in a much bigger way. And that's really where I came across the concept of cognitive diversity and the work of Scott Page. And I think, you know, he's written, he's a professor at the University of Michigan. He's written a couple of books on this, but I really started to get very passionate about the topic of cognitive diversity and that cognitively diverse teams, which means really teams built of people who come to problem solving from different angles, um, that that really does lead to better decision-making, more innovation and better outcomes. And so I started um, really kind of becoming a, a passionate advocate for diversity. And um, so it's something that um, kind of long preceded the events of the last couple of years for me. So DEI means something different to everyone, you know, based on their own personal history, as you were just talking about, background, experiences. As a company, we've been very forthright in developing and building a clear message around DEI but haven't done it on our own, you know, relying on consultants that are experts in the area, as well as members of the Diamond Hill team. As we continue to develop an approach to DEI here at Diamond Hill, how are we working to bring together the various thoughts and ideas from members of the firm? 
So we've been trying to make sure to continue to collect ideas, thoughts, and perspectives from people within Diamond Hill. And as you mentioned, we've also engaged an external consultant to give us some external perspectives. And uh, we have essentially created a, um, a DEI advisory group, which is um, comprised of four individuals who really came forward as part of everything we'd been doing around DEI and offered to put in some extra time helping us define what we wanted DEI to mean at Diamond Hill. That led to us um, really kind of putting the word out that anyone who was interested in getting involved should let us know. And now we have more than 30% of the firm that is in some way involved with helping us define and implement our DEI vision. So we're a business. And our goals are to deliver excellent long-term investment outcomes for our clients, as well as grow the intrinsic value of the firm. We've also committed to building an inclusive workforce that values, retains, and promotes diversity. Can you talk about the benefits of building a diverse and inclusive workforce and how diversity and thinking can help further the goals of Diamond Hill? Absolutely. So part of this really goes back to what I was saying about um, cognitive diversity. So when I think about cognitive diversity, I think of people coming to problem solving with different backgrounds, perspectives, and ideas. And you can have a team that is cognitively diverse where everyone essentially looks the same, but you can, um, you can also use different backgrounds and perspectives, um, race, ethnicity, gender, et cetera, as a way to a proxy kind of to make sure that you're building a cognitively diverse team. And so for us, it's, it's really important since cognitive diversity in and of itself is very challenging to measure to, um, to really make sure that we're building teams that are cognitively diverse based on looking at the uh, demographics, backgrounds, experiences, et cetera, of the people who are joining our team and who are part of our team. And um, I think that's really led to a environment where we are very excited about new perspectives and ideas. And I think we're really kind of building the, the memory around the firm of how to incorporate those more diverse ideas. Um, this does not come without challenge. You can imagine if you um, had a, a small group of people who all thought very similarly on a topic that you have a lot of agreement and things are very easy. But when you have people who all come at things from different perspectives, there is a lot of challenge and debate and disagreement and need to figure out how you're going to resolve those disagreements. And so there's nothing easy about running teams with greater diversity, but there's so much benefit that I really feel very strongly that it's worth, it's worth every bit of effort. So we can build a diverse workforce. That's something that we can control directly through recruitment and networking to access different parts of the employment pool. How is Diamond Hill approaching vendor selection, both from a firm standpoint, as well as providing options for employees? Yeah, it's funny, actually, I was just talking to um, another podcast host earlier today about this very topic. We have come up with essentially a questionnaire that we have been sending to vendors and people we partner with in the marketplace really to accomplish two purposes. First, because we genuinely are interested in knowing when we work with a firm, what kind of commitment does that firm have to diversity, equity, and inclusion? And how do they demonstrate that in their behaviors and in their workforce? 
And the other thing, you know, not everybody answers us, but that's okay because the second objective of sending out that questionnaire is really to send a signal that we care about this topic and we are asking about it and we're going to keep asking about it. And so, you know, you can imagine there are certainly some extra large firms that we all do business with, like a, you know, UPS and FedEx, for example, where we don't really expect to get an answer, but we still feel very strongly about sending the questionnaire because of the signal it sends. And if a lot of firms like ours start doing the same, then I think that will really lead to behavior change and to uh, firms taking this topic really seriously, even if they're much, much bigger than we are. And these bigger firms getting that push, not only from us, but from, as you said, other smaller firms, maybe they don't respond to us directly, but maybe they then issue you know, their own uh, statement about DEI, and maybe they're doing that already, but if for those that aren't, maybe this helps to push them in that direction. Absolutely. So we don't stop ourselves from doing business with a firm just because it won't answer our questionnaire. But I think, you know, at some point in the future, we'd like to get to the point of saying we intentionally try to do business with some certain proportion of firms that a answer our questionnaire and B are committed more, much more importantly, are committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So you've mentioned before that you think that there can be gains for everyone uh, with a greater focus on DEI. So can you expand on some of the benefits that can be achieved through a, a more inclusive economy? So not just the firm, but overall, uh, the overall economy. I came across some work that McKinsey did recently, and there were some really interesting data points in it along this very topic. So I wanted to share it with you and with this audience, because I think it's really um, a very important topic. Um, first of all, on the topic of wages, some of McKinsey's work shows that every 10% increase in the women's labor force participation rate raises wages overall by 5%. That's pretty meaningful. Uh, from a growth perspective, from 1960 to 2010, 40% of the growth in our nation's GDP actually came from racial inclusion in, in education and jobs. And um, from an innovation standpoint, we talked a little bit about innovation earlier, but um, McKinsey's work shows that the U.S. could quadruple innovation if women, minorities, and kids from low-income families became inventors at the same rate as men from high-income families. Um, those are some pretty powerful statistics, and I think um, there's so much behind really thinking about the inclusion aspect of DEI. And if you think about that from our hiring perspective, for example, we're not trying to say that we are going to intentionally hire different people than we've hired in the past. What we're trying to say is that we are going to look at more candidates than we've ever looked at before from backgrounds that we have not seen apply organically. So we're going to intentionally seek out more sources of applicants. If you think about it that way, it's very hard to think about how that could cause a problem, right? You're just, you're increasing your applicant pool. You're trying to help make sure that you're reaching out to, to populations that are not perhaps organically applying to our industry or our firm. Diamond Hill is a firm has been active in supporting local and national organizations that support anti-racism, diversity, and inclusion efforts, such as the Columbus Urban League, Stonewall Columbus, and the National Association of Securities Professionals through our June 2020 pledge to commit a million dollars over a five-year time period to these organizations. It's one thing to write a check or a series of checks to provide support, uh, but Diamond Hill is also focused on providing support through direct involvement with a variety of employees actively participating in various organizations with the full support of the firm. 
How does Diamond Hill encourage and support employees to contribute their time and effort to these organizations? So first of all, we're really trying to um, make sure that we can, where possible, make the financial resources available that in, enable us to support organizations that are anti-racist and that help improve diversity, equity, and inclusion. And um, so when, especially when we come across an organization that our employees feel passionately about supporting and uh, where our employees are interested in volunteering their time, that makes us particularly interested in, you know, making sure they have the support they need to take that time and making sure that we are also, where possible, offering the financial support to help the organizations that our employees feel strongly about. One specific example of this is the work that we've been doing with Rock the Street Wall Street. Um, this is a firm that is uh, committed to um, really helping provide early education to high school girls to help them understand better financial literacy and also a little bit um, of an introduction to investing and budgeting and topics like that. And um, Rock the Street Wall Street had no presence in Columbus until last year when we partnered with them to bring their um, curriculum to a school here in Columbus. We also provided volunteers from Diamond Hill to meet with the students over Zoom, of course, given this environment, and, um, and had the opportunity to help teach them the curriculum that Rock the Street Wall Street provides. And, uh, and then there's also a mentoring program that goes along with it. And I just have to say, as one of the, the volunteers who participated in this effort, how inspiring it is to see these high school girls essentially, um, you know, you see a light bulb go off when they realize, oh, now I understand how this works, or now I understand what investing means, or why I might be interested in it. And, um, you know, for every class of 10, even if we only end up with two or three who have some interest, that's two or three that might not have had the exposure to our industry without those efforts. So I think that's a really great example of where we were able to bring our financial support, our employees' interest in volunteering, and uh, hopefully expand what an organization like Rock, Rock the Street Wall Street is doing. Hopefully hire a couple of those people further on down the road for our, for our benefit and our clients' benefit as well. That would be an amazing outcome. So as the CEO and president of the firm, you've got uh, the best viewpoint from which to see how Diamond Hill's DEI efforts are progressing. So I cheated a little bit and I got this question actually from a member of the DEI team. Uh, and she asked me to ask you, you know, where has the firm excelled and where does the firm still need to improve with regards to DEI? I think we really excelled in our commitment. We have so many teammates that are dedicated to really moving forward our inclusivity as a workforce and you know really making sure not only that we're making a difference at Diamond Hill and for Diamond Hill clients but really in society in a bigger way um, you know beyond our own walls I'd say one area where we still have some work to do is that it's very challenging to easily find applicants to some of our roles that help us improve our diversity. And so that's something that we've been putting some extra effort behind partnering with additional organizations, really trying to um, even slow down our hiring process where necessary to make sure that we're bringing in pools of diverse applicants. But um, you know, for some roles in our industry, it does not come naturally uh, for, for us to get applicants from um, diverse backgrounds. And so that's an area where I think we have a lot of work to do as an industry and we still have more work to do as a company as well. 
All right. Well, Heather, I want to thank you so much for joining me today to discuss what is an incredibly important topic, not just for Diamond Hill, but for everyone. Uh, it's been educational and enjoyable, uh, and I'm glad you're able to, to come on board. So thanks again. Thanks for having me, Doug. Really appreciate it. This material is for informational purposes and is prepared by Diamond Hill Capital Management. The opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and are subject to change. These opinions are not intended to be a forecast of future events, a guarantee of future results, or investment advice. Reliance upon this information is at the sole discretion of the listener. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal.